Hello and welcome back to Delighted Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and enjoying our kids to the glory of God. I'm your host, Kira Nelson. We are now in the midst of Holy Week 2023. Holy Week in the Christian Church is the week between Palm Sunday when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and Easter when he is resurrected from the grave. It's a time which has been observed by Christians across the world for centuries. In the Greek and Roman liturgical books, it's actually called Great Week because it's the week when great deeds of God were done for His people. So Holy Week, the name Holy Week, was first used in the 4th century by St. Ignatius. He was the Bishop of Alexandria. But the resurrection itself has been celebrated, obviously, since the inception of Christianity. As The resurrection is actually the basis of Christianity, right? As Paul states in 1 Corinthians, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Because of the crucifixion and the resurrection, Christ has defeated sin, he has conquered death, and he has ushered in for us a new way. The resurrection is God's way of demonstrating that Jesus truly, truly is the Son of God. Jesus is the one who has conquered death and He reigns as Lord over all. And at Delighted Motherhood, the basis of this program is a delight in the Lord, a delight that we can have peace with God and that we can know Him. So when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, He rode into Jerusalem not on a war horse. He didn't come in on a chariot. He came in on a donkey. And kings would ride donkeys in times of peace. So Jesus came, he lived his life on earth, and then he died. He was the servant described in Isaiah 53. He died a brutal death in order to make many accounted righteous, and so that you and I could have peace with God, our Lord and our Savior. And for us as moms, that is such very good news, because what it means is that we are not the ones who are required to to earn our own salvation. Think about Colossians 3, which says to fix our minds on things that are above, and then lists the ways that we're not supposed to walk in, slander and gossip and anger and malice. But it says that we are to do these things because Christ is all and He's in all. Because of the resurrection, Christ is all. He is all sufficient to pay the penalty for our sin. And because we are new creations in Christ Jesus, He is in all and He is working in us for for His good pleasure. The resurrection is a really big meal, big deal, and it's something to be celebrated. It's something that we should be excited about. And I love Easter. I love how their calendar gives us an opportunity to really fix on the, the miracle of Jesus dying, literally dying, being put into a grave for three days, and then rising back to life. Easter is celebrated by an estimated 2 billion plus Christians around the world, and there are so many delightful traditions that we can learn about and explore. 
If you head over to the Delighted Motherhood Instagram account, I've curated a whole bunch of resources there. Some are really educational and some are just super fun. For example, did you know that brightly colored lanterns are exchanged in Goya, India? Or that in Brazil, a town's streets are covered with carpets made of flowers? In Bermuda, harch or cross-shaped kites are flown, which I just think is really fun. Another tradition I think is cool is that in Eastern Europe, um, since the 5th centuries, families have been preparing Easter baskets with particular foods and then having the priests bless those Easter baskets on Holy Saturday. The foods all have really interesting meanings. For example, bacon is included, which is a symbol of the abundance of God's mercy. Um, Easter bread, which is a round cake, um, which is really eggy and yeasty with lots of raisins, is reminiscent of the risen Lord. Candles will symbolize that Jesus is the light of the world. And sausage links, even this is fun, sausage links represent the chains of death that were broken when Jesus rose from the dead. I just love it. I love all of these traditions. I love these things. Earlier this week, I posted a link to an hour-long Rick Steves program, which takes you on a tour of European Easter traditions. So Rick Steves is a travel guide. He's not a theologian, so I'm not endorsing him as a theologian, but I do love his video. And what I loved about watching this program was seeing how all of these different cultures have developed really elaborate Easter traditions. There are huge festivals that celebrate with amazing costumes and delicious foods, more than I can remember. And they all seem to have symbolism pointing back to the passion of Christ. And I can't help but think, honestly, that that is the way that it should be. God made us to be people who celebrate things that are wonderful and important to us. Like, think about it. When we're really excited about something, we want to throw a party. When we get a new job, we want to throw a party and have a celebration because we're excited about it. And I think we should be really excited about the resurrection. I think that Easter should be a really, really joyous occasion. Honestly, in Northern Virginia, where I live, sometimes it feels like the biggest holiday isn't Christmas. It's actually Halloween. And this is not how it should be. With my family, I want Holy Week in particular to be super special. For example, for me, I want to do something every day of Holy Week that's just a little bit out of the ordinary. Maybe it's just looking at some art that's dedicated to the passion or doing a special craft like making a garden too. Or maybe it's throwing a party. So for me, Often, when I celebrate things, I will usually do it by getting together with friends. So on Monday night of this week, we had over some of our dear neighbor families for a really fabulous Holy Week party. It was complete with kids enacting the triumphal entry, where everyone lined up on the walkway and grabbed just green things from our yard so they'd have their green palm branches. And they all shouted, Hosanna, as one little boy pretending to be Jesus rode on another little boy pretending to be a donkey and it was honestly super super hilarious another thing we tried for the first time that was really fun was egg pocking which is a tradition that hails from ancient greece Um, but it's when each member of the table has a hard-boiled egg and then you press your hard-boiled egg against another 
person's hard-boiled egg to see which one is stronger. And the one that breaks first loses, and the stronger egg wins. And it was just a lot of fun. Kids, dads, moms, everyone got a kick out of this game. And then we sent the kids running to their Easter egg hunt with the chant, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Easter really is worth celebrating. It's worth making a really big deal about. Now, I do want a caveat, and this is an important caveat, to remember that Delighted Motherhood is not about making a list of things that we need to accomplish in order to be good moms. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If you go back and listen to the foundational episode, which is What is Delighted Motherhood? We go into that in uh, quite a bit of detail. So it's not about a list of things we have to do. Instead, it's about asking ourselves how we can take the things that we are already doing and infuse grace and meaning into them in a way that helps our hearts delight in the Lord and enjoy our kids to the glory of God. So for me, that's a triumphal entry parade. But if the idea of that much noise might make you want to run away, don't do that. Instead, do something that will bless you and will help you to celebrate the resurrection. So today, I'm excited to share with you a brief reflection from Hannah Sillers. Hannah Sillers is an adoptive mom to three, and she lives in East Texas, and she's from the Anglican tradition. She's a person who's active in her church. She's involved in downtown development, and she works with their parish school. And I think she has a really sweet, helpful perspective, which will help us just to drink in and savor this time, this week, between the triumphal entry where Jesus rides in and everyone shouts, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to Friday when he is hanging on a cross when he's hanging on a cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To when he is risen from the dead and he says, Mary, why are you weeping? Oh, ladies, I love the resurrection. I love this time. I love celebrating what God has done for us. And I pray that you are blessed by this brief reflection. And more importantly, I pray that you are captivated by Jesus this week. Because the best thing that we can do for our motherhood, the best thing we can do for our happiness as human beings is to know the risen Christ. To know the one who is the author of creation. Think about Colossians 1, uh, 16 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been made by him and for him. And this is who we are celebrating this week. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Hannah Sillers. Welcome back to Delighted Motherhood. I'm here tonight with Hannah Sillers. Hannah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kira. Hannah is a mom and a wife. She has three beautiful kids via adoption, and she lives in East Texas with her family, and they go to Good Shepherd Reformed Episcopal Church. So Hannah, you have a brand new baby. Is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her name is Cosima and she is, she's two months old and it's an open adoption from Florida. So she's our, she's our Florida baby. That's really great. So our main idea today is going to be just talking about Easter. So in our culture, we make a big deal about Christmas, and I think Christians should make a big deal about Christmas. In our family, we do a lot for Advent. But I also think that we should really make a big deal about Easter. And sometimes, even for very devout Christians, Easter can feel a little bit like an afterthought. So tonight we're going to be talking about why it's important to make Easter a big deal and then some ideas for making Holy Week in particular special for ourselves and our families in a way that's worshipful and draws our gaze to Jesus. So Hannah, with that with that main idea in, in view, can you tell us a little bit about why that's the case? Why do you think that Easter should be significant to us as Christians? I mean, it's such a huge, it's like, it's like asking, you know, what is the best thing about Shakespeare? Like, that's just a huge question. Um, you know, because Easter is, it's the climax of our faith, but it's also not just the climax of our personal faith or the, the pinnacle of the gospel, but it's also the culmination of like all of scripture. Um, so Easter is huge. And I think, I think if we were to maybe just talk about that first part of why Easter is not maybe so large in our imaginations as Christmas is, I would I would point to the fact that I think the culture that you're surrounded by inevitably has an impact on on what feels important. And so with Easter, you know, it's kind of a, you know, there's Easter icons, but that lasts, you know, maybe a morning. And, and then you go about your daily routine, but Christmas and our culture, for whatever reason, has like this huge buildup. And so even outside of your church body, it's in the air and everyone talks about the Christmas spirit and it just gets under your skin and you know that Christmas is coming and our culture hasn't done the same thing for Easter. And so I think that that is one of the reasons it's probably um, even like that we haven't maybe tried or, or done this. It's not our fault necessarily, but just our culture, our American culture, we love Christmas, but Easter is a little bit harder for our culture to grasp. Um, and I think that that is something that as Christians, we need to actively resist um, kind of flowing along with that and do what we can to, to really bring that exclamation point into our lives and into our families. Um, but I do think that that is the reason like, your experience is exactly mine. Like I grew up with, with Christmas really being the focal point, but, um, as an adult over time and, and just in my spiritual formation, one of the most exciting re-enchanting things as an adult that has kind of brought some of the, for lack of a better word, magic, the, the mystery and the beauty of um, our faith to life is really seeing Easter, um, seeing the resurrection story as this continuous thread throughout the Bible. So um, speaking of that, Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the Christian history of Easter? So, you know, some people will throw out that this is just a random pagan holiday. When did Christians start celebrating Easter? Christians have always celebrated Easter. Like the word we use the word Easter in American culture. And I think a lot of times that makes us think, oh, 
Easter comes from, I think it's like Astra or some, you know, Western European word for this fertility festival. And so we think, therefore, that's what Easter came from. But for most of the Christian world, they call it Pascha, which very clearly has a connection to the word Passover. Pascha is the Greek word for Passover. And so the Jews who followed God throughout the Old Testament were faithfully observing Passover. And then the Christians who followed Jesus, who were Jews themselves, were just continuing that practice. Um, but in the final culmination of that, with um, the added meaning, you know, Passover is talking about, you know, the thread of Passover, that whole story is prophetic about Jesus Christ himself being the lamb, being the, um, the ultimate exodus out of enslavement. Um, in his crucifixion and then resurrection. And so Passover's culmination is an Easter. And so it's it's not that we ever just started, we, we started observing it, you know, when, when it became a thing to be celebrated in the first place. Um, I think that that is the thing that is the most exciting um, about reading scripture is when you start stepping back and you see those big picture threads. Um, if if you would follow a tangent for me for a second, and I promise this will tie into Easter. If you step back from the Bible and look at God being a master storyteller and starting it off with this picture of Eve sinning, she's the woman who chose disobedience and, and she's a picture of all of us. And this is the introduction to the story is this big emptiness, this, this thing that causes death, this choice that causes a rift in our relationship with God. And then part two, Mary comes and she's given a choice to obey God or not, just like Eve. But then she chooses to obey God and to submit to him. God is setting up this story where there's like these two bookends. And he does that repeatedly in scripture all the time. And I think it's because empty places are opportunities for him to fill. And, the, and that's that's what the whole rhythm of our year is. That's what the Bible, that's a pattern of the scripture. And when you see that, you get excited because you're like, okay, so we kind of pit, we just pitted Christmas and Easter kind of against each other as the two biggest feast days in the Christian calendar. But in reality, they're answering to each other. They're patterns that are all connected and understanding the beauty of one gives meaning to the other and vice versa. And so when you step back and see that whole pattern, it gets very exciting and very beautiful. And you realize that all these other things that you already love and know very well become even richer when you when you get the connections between them. So we're about to step into Holy Week, or depending on when you're listening to this, it is Holy Week. Can you tell us what Holy Week is, Hannah, and what happened on each day of Holy Week? Um, Holy Week so, so Lent first is the season, if I'm in the Anglican tradition, and so we celebrate Lent 40 days prior to Easter. And so it's kind of this, again, this kind of bookend thing, a mirror to you have Advent. And so that's the season of fasting right before the feast day of Christmas, because with every feast, there has to be the preparation of the fasting. And then Lent is the biggest fast, and that's the 40 days before um, before Easter, and that kind of in some ways mimics Jesus being in the desert fasting for 40 days. But then the last week, uh, right before Easter, that's Holy Week. And so it starts off with Palm Sunday, which is um, the weird, the weird juxtaposition, the fact that Jesus is like 
heralded into the city in Jerusalem by everyone who loves him and is so excited. And then like on Wednesday, it's by Wednesday. And that's when um, we remember Judas betraying Jesus. And then Thursday is the day that um, in many churches, they wash the, the priest will wash people's feet in um, remembrance of Jesus's actions then. And so in Holy Week, we're kind of walking through that week. Um, it's kind of like, like walking through it almost in real time because of all the, the different days of the week, certain traditions kind of slow down and, you know, focus in on the same thing that Jesus did that day of the week um, and observe that in their services. Um, and then Good Friday, of course, everyone is familiar with that is Jesus's crucifixion and then culminating in Easter on Sunday. And Hannah, what do you think a reverence towards observing a celebration of the resurrection communicates to our kids? So I think, I think what it communicates changes depending on the maturity level of your kids. But I think fundamentally, if you want to raise children who love and grasp the gospel, but also even more so like who get it in the sense of they're not afraid of death, that death is not an abstraction, that that life after death with Jesus is not an abstraction, then reverence and understanding of Easter has to be something that's a part of your your family's yearly rhythm. Because Easter is not just a thing that happened. And so we look back on it like a birthday. It's more or an anniversary. It's like it's prophetic as well. Because as as Paul said in First Corinthians, if um if Jesus had not died and been resurrected, our preaching would be in vain. You know, this is the prophecy. Jesus died on the cross and came down and became low like us in human form. He was born incarnated, took human form so that he could raise us up with him. And so his resurrection is an exact picture of what our resurrection with him is going to be. And it's really easy to be scared of death and to be scared of it as an abstract idea, especially as a kid. But if you look to Jesus as he's showing us what it's like, he's going ahead of us and look how he's, the Bible says that he's fully human and that you could stick his, stick your fingers into his his wounds and that he was physical, then it gives us a taste of, oh, life with God is really real. It's real life. We'll have bodies. And so I think that's how you plant that hope in your children and in your own heart. Um, Because that's how we, that's how we learn things and internalize things is, is getting that picture and and seeing the way that he has shown us. And the thing that I think all of us should just do more is look at the face of Jesus with all of our problems, with all of the different things we're wrestling with. When we look at Jesus, the one who lived a perfect life and died for us, things just, it, they go better. It makes more sense. Um, we're, be able, we're better able to understand the world. So it doesn't, it's not that we need to just think about the resurrection around Easter. For the Christian, the resurrection is something we actually celebrate every single Sunday. So the Lord's Day is the day that we gather as Christians. Most Christians will gather corporately on a Sunday. It mm-hmm. used to be in Jewish tradition that people gathered on the on the Sabbath, on the seventh day. But Jesus was raised from, from death 
on Sunday, the first day of the week. So Christians, since the very beginning of our meeting, have actually been meeting on Sundays as a way to actually celebrate the resurrection. We're celebrating the resurrection actually every single Sunday that we gather corporately as a body. And then we do communion, communion, right? That was celebrated or was inaugurated on Monday, Thursday. And every time we do communion, we are also celebrating the resurrection. So in the life of the church, there is a constant celebration of the resurrection. So it's not that we can only celebrate the resurrection around Easter, but that it's just a really sweet time, I think, to say this is an exciting thing. So things that I love, I'll usually make a big deal about. If um, I'm excited about fall and acorns, I'll have an acorn party with my kids. And if it's Easter and I'm I'm celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead, I want to make that a big, a big deal with my kids. So I think for us as Christians, obviously we celebrate the resurrection like every day, like every morning when I wake up and I pray to the to the Father. I just pray directly to the Father. I am celebrating Easter. I'm celebrating that the curtain was torn in two and I'm able to just speak with him. But in a, in a special way, I think the calendar does give us a chance to just really mark this off for our own hearts to remind ourselves that we are not the ones that are in charge. We are not in control of our own salvation, that it is through the work of Jesus Christ. And then also for our kids to say, look, mom is really excited about this. We're excited to celebrate. Um, so in our family, we have been just trying to make a bigger deal of Holy Week. So I think what's important in this section is not for us to get stuck on, you know, what are all the things that we need to do, but rather just to, to say, how can we celebrate this? Um, a craft that we have enjoyed doing is making a garden tomb. And this is super easy. I'll put a link to in the show notes to how to do this. It's basically like you get a, a cup and a paper plate. And you glue them together and then you find all kinds of nature things and you just sort of stick them on top and you make a little tube. Um, but they're really cute and they're fun. But anyway, I think it's not necessarily that important what the things are that we do. You know, you do a watercolor of a cross or you do some kind of thing where you have the kids. We've I've had my kids wash each other's feet, which is just kind of funny, but I don't think it really matters imagine. What, it, what it is. But I think what matters is that we're doing something or not even necessarily doing something. Cause again, we're not about delight of motherhood is so not about adding things to our plate. It's about being intentional with the time that we have and asking the Lord to help us to see how we can infuse meaning into the things that we're already doing. Welcome back to Delighted Motherhood. Can you close our time out, Hannah, asking God to help us to honor him with our celebrations around Easter? Totally. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Kira and um, for her podcast and her ministry and her heart for other moms. And I ask that you would help us all as we navigate this season as um, trying to be salt and light in a world that is just so different in its priorities, that you would help us to, to see the beauty of the story you're telling in creation and to um, to see it and take joy in it and be excited by it and allow it to revive us and refresh us and by extension refresh our children and our families um, and that you would help us take us on that journey um, and help us to trust you in that and um, and just and just to seek to 
to submit to what you have to show us in this season. And we thank you for your faithfulness and kindness in redeeming us. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Hannah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kara. It's fun to be on. And until next time, sisters, may we delight ourselves in the Lord as we delight in the calling that he is giving us.